Welcome to The Form Guide, inspiring conversations about mental health and well-being. This week we're chatting to the awesome Celia, founder of Psycaps and the amazing EQ Game. This is one of the best interviews we've conducted on The Form Guide. Enjoy. Hey, Celia, welcome to the Form Guide. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm awake now. I wasn't awake before the music started, but I feel like my, my brain just went like, click. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So that was Jamaica Funk by Tom Brown. It's a funk classic. It was a big tune in my childhood, that one. I used to uh, play a lot of basketball, and we, we loved that tune on the team. And oh. um, so, yeah, get us going with a theme for the Form Guide of this season is, is funk classics. So are you a funk fan? Um, I only know one funk band that I'm a huge fan of. It's called Buckshot Le Funk, and it's a French band, and I heard up and down, um, but otherwise I can't really say, so no. Amazing. Um, yeah, I, I do know that. I do know that you band. You know Buckshot Le Funk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do Another know that. Day. Um, <laughs> so, so you, you were brilliant um, in, 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 in how you, you were kind of very dreamy, you were floating along, and, and it's a bit of a thing, the reaction of, of uh, my guests to the, the intro, musical intro. Some are, are a bit rabbit in the headlights, others just sort of crack on with their emails and ignore yeah. me completely, but you were, I like you, you were kind of like dreamy, you were into it, and it I'm pleased to hear, hear it's uh, woken you up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so um, you are a psychologist, you are founder of Psychaps, the amazing uh, EQ gamified app, and we're going to hear more uh, about that. You're also a judge on the Inside Out Awards, which we're very grateful uh, for. Um, so thank you for your contribution there. Um, and um, we're going to start with a question that I always ask, and that question is, how are you today? Um, oh, so yeah. I'm an eight out of 10, um, very good form today, slept really well. For me, I had a bit of a lie-in. I know we're here quite early in the morning, but I, I normally go <laughs> very, very early. Um, but actually, I uh, gave myself a bit of a, uh, a treat, and uh, I slept until about half past seven, which is which is good for me. Oh, wow, so long. <laughs> <laughs> so good sleep has really boosted my form. Um, having a good week of moving the mission forward, feeling pretty connected to people I'm working with. We've just announced our new uh, COO, Anna Blackman, who's uh, joined the mission, so super excited about that. Congratulations. Um, and Anna, I can see that you, you're on the chat and you're liking the music too, which is uh, which is good to see. So welcome. Um, and Hi, welcome. Hey, Anna. Welcome to Christopher. Welcome to Nicole. And welcome to Luke. Great to see you all with us uh, this morning. So, um, Sylvia, what is your uh, score today? So um, I am recovering from a, a terrible stomach flu and I did not have a sleep in because my partner is traveling and usually has the first shift with the babies and I have to take them over. And um, so I would say physically I'm on a wobbly five tending towards four. Mentally, I was a seven when I went on, but since the music and our chatting, everything, I'm like inching towards an eight. So. Inching, inching to an inching eight. Inching towards I'm, an eight. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving that. And just um, so, so our listeners know, you you got the twin babies, right? Yes, exactly. They're 14 months, so they're I would say toddlers now, um, yeah. and so much energy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so I'm, I'm kind of through the toddling stage, both personally yeah. and with my children. Um, but the the twin toddlers that must be a handful, right? Tell me about yes. that. Yes, I had a girlfriend visit me yesterday, and I think sometimes people can't really fathom. First of all, that I'm a mom because I used to not be a biggest fan of children. <laughs> and so Karma's like, okay, you get two. <laughs> and then second of all, because having one toddler by themselves is a lot of work because you're just trying to keep them from killing themselves or breaking and burning down your house when you yeah, have yeah. two that it's not just two it's like uh, it's like a herd <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's sort of like exponential chaos i'd imagine yes right? exactly so it is physically um absolutely astonishing lot of amount of work but on the other hand one of the things that I'm extremely grateful for is that you have the gift of being able to remarvel the world through their eyes with the knowledge that you have. And that is priceless. So the way they discover things and see them for the first time, and like my boy is obsessed with pigeons. <laughs> and, you know, I see pigeons on me, okay. And to see them like look see you know discover the, the pigeon and that it can fly and that you can feed it and things like that it's it's wonderful it's, it's a gift and yeah. that you know that is it's just something that i'm absolutely reveling in yeah you know what i love the way um the way children explore things you know so if they find something interesting the way they crouch down they sit on their heels and yeah. they are totally in that moment yeah. exploring what's going on yeah. and you're right if we as adults can um see that through their eyes but yeah. with, as you say with the benefit of experience it's an amazing yeah. thing i yeah. think the other bit is with is 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 play right we don't play enough as as adults we lose our sense of play but yeah. we can obviously recover, you know, recover that and rejuvenate that through playing mm -hmm. with our children, can't we? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Okay. I'm so, not quite there yet because they don't really play a lot. They just, you know, their their attention span is like that of a squirrel on Red Bull. But <laughs> <laughs> you've got some brilliant analogies for parents. A squirrel on Red Bull. I love it. <laughs> um, so. Um, we're, we're trending towards an eight physically. Um, I'm, I'm actually in awe of you as well, by the way. You're a CEO, um, you're a mother of twins, you've done the early shift and you're here talking to me. Um, so, you know, kudos for all that you do. It's, uh, it's incredible. Um, so um, we're trending towards an eight on, on mental form. Um, what, what does a perfect 10 day look like for you if such a thing exists? Well, I think for me, because I'm I'm not diagnosed with chronic fatigue, I'm self-diagnosed with chronic fatigue, right? So yeah. I, I think that's kind of like my cross to carry is the burden of fatigue and low energy. Yeah. So yeah. there are a couple of days where I am able to take a nap and I do not feel that I feel light and my head is clear. And I think if I get to sleep enough, the sun is shining and I'm with loved ones, but have enough time to do something like read a book. I think that's a pretty good, it's a pretty good day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I, I, mean, love I don't know about the, the score. So that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you can have the perfect day and still have a, a low mental health score. So I don't know if I answered your question properly. Yeah, 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 you did. I mean, you can still have a low mental health score if the perfect day, but I think the perfect day could also contribute to 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 yeah. a, a top score. I mean, I think yeah. that's the thing with our mental health, right? It's it's forever moving. There's so many yeah. things that influence it. It's so individual. It changes over time. Yeah. And 
actually for for to get to a 10 which is why i've i don't think i've really been a 10 for any prolonged period of time the stars have to align perfectly you have to have you know perfect sleep your relationships need to be in order you need to have gone out and exercise you need to do something inspirational and surround yourself you definitely need to have a swim in the sea and i know anna blackman will uh, will comment on that and i yeah swim there's no perfect day for me without a dip in the sea sure (laughs) you Um, told me about that it was like minus 40 degrees and you're like i'm swimming <laughs> okay. well, so so for me like with the long covid that i moan about to everyone cold therapy seems to be the thing that helps a little bit um okay. so um i've just been trying to make you know a, a kind of i've got this sort of strange well type thing in my garden and i've just been trying to clean that out to for over the winter just to be able to get into it in the freezing cold so that's my little project it's pretty filthy right now i wouldn't want to get into it so i've got to work a way of getting the dirt out anyway yeah. anyway we digress yeah. we digress so um, we're going to do uh, the quick fire round, which Ooh, you know, okay. I've not asked you to prepare for. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Uh-huh. If mental health were a, what would it be? Okay. So if okay. mental health were an animal, what would it be for you? Can you say life form or does it have to be an animal? That could be a life form. Let's, you know, there's no it rules. It would be there. a gut bacteria. Brilliant. <laughs> We've never had the gut bacteria, the mental health gut bacteria. Go on, tell us why. Yes, because everybody needs it. It's it's in our guts and it it, it sustains us. It's part of our, our our life existence and our health. But if it goes wrong or it multiplies too much or, you know, if it changes or mutates or something, it can literally kill us. Yeah. So I think that would be a good analogy. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I mean, there's obviously the gut brain axis in terms of the also, impact yeah, yeah. Uh, of of you know, gut health on our brain, um, mm-hmm. and and um, it's interesting, isn't it? We have neurons in our brain, so off, in our in our gut. Sorry, we definitely have them in our brain. We have neurons <laughs> in our gut, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know, often the gut is referred to as our second brain. Yes. Yeah. Um, but also they're kind of hidden it's hidden these 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 yeah. you know, this bacteria yeah. we're, we sort of might yeah. not be aware of it until things go wrong you don't think about it until yeah. it goes wrong and then you really think about it yeah mm-hmm. which is often like our mental health and you know we're on a journey mm-hmm. of inspiring people to be more mindful of their mental health mm-hmm. and well-being mm-hmm. um, this is a brilliant one i love it so the mental <laughs> health <you>. gut bacteria <laughs> so um so if mental health were a color what comes to mind for you Wait a minute. Oh, gosh. If I were in primary school, I could probably answer this um, better. But there is a color that in, has all the colors. Is it gray? Is It's like the that if or it actually is black. If you put all the colors together, it looks black. Right. Whenever, so I, do, I, guess, whenever I do that with paint, it goes brown. <laughs> Brown. It's brown. <laughs> Mental health is poop brown. <laughs> All of a sudden, our, our watch list went to zero, like poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're, uh, we're very focused on, on the gut and, and associated colors. Yeah, oh, my goodness. So, so, so you, you're, you're thinking of the whole spectrum of colors, right? So yeah, that, whatever, yeah. that, whatever that makes. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I like that because obviously in form score, we use different colors to represent mm-hmm. the different scores and the different moods. And Mm-hmm. I think, again, thinking of children and how they can express how mm-hmm. they're feeling, obviously colours mm-hmm. can be mm-hmm. uh, can be a good one. Um, so, yeah, I like that spectrum of colours that might or might not be brown. <laughs> <laughs> if mental health were a food, what would it be for you? I wanted to instinctively say pizza, but for me, pizza is life. <laughs> so <laughs> let me think, what kind of a food would it be? It would be pizza for me, by the way. 
Yeah, yeah. it would be it, it would be for me because it's like comfort food. There's different things that make it up. It's a bit yeah. of a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can uh, there's a lot of variety in what 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 it could be. Yeah. And if you put something nasty on it, it completely ruins it. Like some people get raw egg on their pizza. Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I will stick stick to my initial thought. We can go with pizza. So if yeah. mental health were a song or a piece of music, Celia. Oh, it would be um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Amazing. You got some brilliant you have some brilliant answers to this. You really do. Why why Bohemian Rhapsody? Because it has so many different music types and um, so much uh, different moods and so many different singers and it's a journey. Um, it, it's it's all of music in one song. Yeah, that's a great answer. And it's a bit, I'm going to use this word deliberately, it's a bit bonkers as well, right? It's yes, a, it's completely. It's a, so there's this calming bits in it, yes. there's erratic yes. bits in it. Yeah, um, it's, it's, also it's co- joyful and playful and it's still, it's a bit dark and it's um, erratic and it's, yeah. Yeah, and and I, I kind of you know the the video. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it was the first uh, the first piece of music that really popularised the music video, um, oh, and, and they invested a lot in, in in creating that. But I just remember the heads, Freddie Mercury's yeah. head, and it's just like yeah. this this singing talking head. Um, <laughs> so I think that's another another brilliant answer. I, I think you might be our star guest on the Quickfire. Yeah. I want that in writing. <laughs> <laughs> So if mental health were a holiday destination. A holiday destination. Yeah. What is that holiday? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, for sure. Yeah, you, you, you don't get holidays now. You've got twin no, babies. Man. Not with babies, not with COVID, not as an entrepreneur. <laughs> holiday destination. California? Yeah, okay. Why California? California. Because, now you're going to hear a ramble. Because it has pretty much all aspects of humanity. If you leave LA and you head towards the countryside, you are passing the dark depths of human despair in the tent cities underneath the hangovers. It has all the different climate zones from blistering hot to the snowy tops of um, uh, the high Sierras. You have untouched, beautiful nature and you have the most ravaged and cemented areas in the world. You have the highest smog, you have the purest clarity, you have a a cornucopia of cultures and diversity um, and you have uh, a lot of different um mindsets and political views and everything it's all in in california yeah wow again that is the best answer i've ever had uh, for, for for this question um I, I totally agree you know the the diversity the the positive the negative the drains mm-hmm. the boosters mm-hmm. um, the differences the, mm-hmm. the purity the the dirt, the smog, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm pleased mm-hmm. you didn't say the venture capitalists as well, because they obviously are all in California. Yeah, exactly. Super, really like this. So one more to win okay. the crown of the quickfire round. Um, if mental health were a sound, what would it be? Tinnitus. <laughs> say that again. Tinnitus. Tinnitus. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
<laughs> oh, birds chirping. Oh man, you are a winner. You are an absolute winner. Um, so I'm getting a bit excited. I haven't done one of these for a few weeks. And I normally do them every week. And I've got, I think it's you know, my relationship with you. And, and yeah. um, I'm, I'm really feeling very excitable. Um, <laughs> the birds chirping. Amazing. Yes. So, so yeah. um, Phil, Phil, Philip Cramp, one of our role models on the leaderboard, uh, thinks we've got a great answer on bow wrap. Um, so uh, loving that. So look, I'm going to try and put this together, okay? I'm going to try and put this together. So we, you and I, we're in California, and mm-hmm. we've travelled. We've gone on a journey from, you know, central LA through the smog, through the poverty, but we've actually arrived at the, the peak of the high Sierras. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the mountains, right? The mountains mm-hmm. I find very humbling and, and grounding. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, and we can hear the sound of birds chirping. Mm-hmm. And we're just listening to that, that moment a little bit. We're sitting outside and um, we're going to be served this amazing pizza. And they're going to be very mm-hmm. different representing our individuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we look around, we can see this cornucopia of colours. I like the word cornucopia that you used as well. Yeah, we've got the crisp blue sky, a little bit like my background, eight blue. Mm-hmm. But we've got, mm-hmm. you know, we've got the white snow we can see on the peaks. We've got mm-hmm. some red in the distance. We've got the green for nature. So we can see all of that. And as our pizza is brought out, the, we hear the sound uh, on, the, on the, the music system of Bohemian Rhapsody, um, you know, just, just, just trank, cranking up. And we, we basically sing as our pizza arrives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sold. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we're kind of there. And um, I'm just trying to think what I haven't added in. And, and, you know, our, our pizza... Our gut bacteria is yeah, enjoying yeah. the pizza as well. <laughs> yeah, our, our pizza, our gut bacteria are thankful for, for the pizza. They're expressing <laughs> their gratitude in, in the only way that they know how, which we don't need to get into. Um, and that's the scene, right? That's the scene. So um, when, we, when we all start travelling again, and perhaps when we're going to visit our respective VCs in California, maybe we can make that happen. Yes, um, that so, sounds wonderful. I, I, I love that. Okay, so 20 minutes in, and um, we've just gibbered about a bit, which has been a lot of fun. So look, I want to talk a bit about your journey. I want to talk a bit about your, your, your business, your, com- your company, your motivation. I want to touch about, uh, on about kind of founder mental health, which is something I'm super passionate about, and, and also about the awards and the importance of exercising, um, of recognising, not exercising, excellence on the mental health agenda. Mm-hmm. So tell me a bit about kind of your business um mm-hmm. and and i guess your 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 motivation for setting it up Sylvia, if you don't mm-hmm. yes um so when you study psychology you learn all about symptoms and diagnoses treatments but you don't learn about the healthcare system right so um a couple of years in i was um i moved from germany to uh, uh london I was working in the Priory for um, eating and mood disorders for young adults. I was sitting with a young woman who was 17 years old, had her first eating disorder symptoms when she was 14, mm-hmm. had been on a waiting list for six months, and was sitting there with her family and completely supporting her. She was going to one of the best schools. She was gorgeous. But you could tell she was barely hanging in there. And I thought, like, how is it possible that, you know, someone hadn't spoken or seen her when she was 14, 15 max, first of all, and second of all, waitlist for six months, like you can lose people to that. And I looked into the mental health care opportunities and was completely shocked that about only 35% of the people looking for mental health care get the mental health care that they need. And 
if I worked myself to the bones, I couldn't even like chip off a, a piece of the iceberg, right? So I, I felt like I wasn't contrib contributing enough to make a difference. Plus I was looking to do my PhD because I, I love academia and I love research. So I thought, why don't I do my PhD in a way that leaves a product there that can help solve that huge gap between need and, um, uh, and um, care. So um, developed an application because there was a lot of in, in, um, research emerging that web-based interventions were helpful. So I thought, okay, you know, people are leaving the desktop for apps. Like why not make an application? And this was 2016. And if you put in depression into um, iOS, you would see maybe 50 apps, right? Yeah. Now it's around 2000 on iOS and 5,000 on, um, on Android. So uh, we, we developed an application and um, did a clinical trial and could prove that had an effect of about a beta blocker with no side effects. So I was like, I'm going to save the world from depression and anxiety for like $9.99. Like, <laughs> Unfortunately, the world did not want to be saved that way, right? Yeah. So we had terrible drop-off rates. And I thought, okay, maybe I just I didn't really, excuse my French, shitty app. But when I went back to the books, I saw that digital mental health interventions have the huge, huge drop-off rates. And that and the American Psychology Association says on average, people spend two minutes on a mental health app and then they delete it. And that's just not long enough to have an impact. So specifically looking at young adults, I thought, what can we do to get people to stick to what's good for them and is evidence-based that it's good for them? We need to meet them where they are. Like, you know, if, if you just kind of like transform face-to-face -face therapy into an app, what you have is more or less an interactive self-help book. And to be able to go through that, you have to be highly motivated and you're halfway on the path to getting better anyway, because you're looking actively for solutions and you aren't too sick to that it stops you, right? Yeah. So I looked at the target population that is has the highest incidence and that I'm most interested in, which is young adults, anywhere from let's say 16 to 35, and 70% of them are casual gamers. And there's a lot of research that shows that gaming casually is good for your mental health. So I thought, okay, this could be the thing that gets people to stick to mental health therapy. Plus the gaming industry is like 20 years ahead in behavioral psychology because they want our money, right? So I thought I'm going to use all the tricks of the trade of the um, gaming industry in a ethically responsible way and design a game that treats mental illness. And that's exactly what we do with EQ. And we've been through three clinical trials now and um, um, ha still have effect of beta blocker and um, are really making a difference. And I think we have about half a million downloads internationally as of now. So it, it's, it feels good to know that you know, we're having impacts on people's lives all over the world. Yeah, I love it. I, I, you know, I, lo I love you spotting that need, you know, from the clinical side, you know, from the, the treatment side. And I, I'm a big fan of thinking about how we can use the tools that are out there in tech to promote yeah. positive behavior change. And it's obviously something with FormScore that we're very passionate yeah. about is ethically using um, um, you know, technology to, to get people to be more intentional about well-being. And I love you know, the game. I love I've, I remember you sharing the first game with me and you know the second iteration is brilliant. You know, and yeah. <laughs> you know, you're learning good stuff along the way, right? And if yeah. these are just tools that I think you know, I know I've had to learn because of my condition, my bipolar. And yeah, yeah. 
through self-awareness, reflection, therapy, you know, pain, all of this sort of stuff. But I think if we can learn those skills earlier. Yes. Yes. then it's, it's yes. so helpful, isn't it? And yeah, know, I, I worry for the young generation yeah. post the pandemic. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I've, I'm hearing a lot of eating disorders. I'm hearing a mm-hmm. lot of young people that have been struggling anxiety. And, and, and anxiety. Yeah. Um, and it's great to um, to to see that, you know, there's, there's your solution out there that can make a difference. May I ask you something? Yeah. If you kn- knew the things you know now, how many years earlier would you have taken action than you did? Twelve. Beep. Twelve. Bad word. Just imagine. Twelve yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and it would have saved me 20 years of erraticness it really would i mean i don't know whether i would change anything though because i believe i'm at the point i'm supposed to be right now that's good yeah but but you know my my 20s and 30s were a beautiful disaster um (laughs) in many many ways with some amazing things happening some very erratic things happening some things that shouldn't have happened and me almost losing my life right yeah Um, Yeah. and actually the knowledge of even the differences that I was experiencing it, I didn't even, I don't think I need the labels. Right. And I think we'll ultimately move away from labels, mm-hmm. but the, dif- the differences and understanding the, the knowledge, the regulation, the help, the professional help that would have helped me, you know, regain most of my twenties and thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. Um, it's, it's incredible. So the literacy of wellness I think mm-hmm. it's super important and your game, mm-hmm. um, your app, your game um, does that. And I think it's a case of trying to get it into more hands. And mm-hmm. you, you put it out there to the to consumers, you expected it and hoped for it to change the world. And, yeah. and yeah. business doesn't always go that way. Certainly tech businesses don't. And you've kind of had to kind of pivot that to in a different way to, to get mm-hmm. traction. Talk us through that journey um, and, and your journey as an entrepreneur, if you don't mind. Well, you know, um, when you're a psychologist, you don't learn anything about business. Like you don't even know how to set up a private practice. Like you just go out in the world and say, I want to help people. What do I do now? Like, you, sir, do you need help? (laughs) (laughs) So it's, um, I remember that I was at a dinner in Dubai, strangely enough, and I was telling about my application and my friend said, you need to make that a business. And I'm like, business like me what do you mean he says yeah because um you can do that with your university or you go private which just gives you more freedom and you need to make that a business and you're going to get funding and then you're going to build that and i'm like really and so we sat down like a couple of days later and he walked me through everything um like the the, the top level of of a business not even startup right so i started working on that a little bit i went to a lot of startup events and everything and then i finally had my first pitch and I went to my first angel investor. I had a little deck and I was like very proud of it. And then he said, how much traction do you have? And I said, what is traction? <laughs> and he's like, go away. <laughs> I'd let you tell me that story before. I absolutely love it. And thank you for sharing it so openly. <laughs> Um, you, you know, because you do, you have to learn a whole new language. You have to learn a, a whole new thing, and it's a, it's yes. you know, it's a whole new set of rules that you you need yes. to abide by, right? Yes, and you learn a lot of things the hard way. And I think I was bumbling about in a in a clinically and product good way, in a business not so good way, until um, I was accepted into TechStars. And they really whipped me to shape, man. That was um, 2019 in Berlin. And we had a great um, uh, MD 
Hi, Jack. Um, and we, we just learned all the essentials from venture capitalism, fundraising, business, operations, marketing, everything in three months. I like they really like they squeeze it in you. And that allowed me not only to understand the, the frameworks or understand what I need to know or what I need to have someone else know. And then I brought my team together. And then finally, now I have the team the core team that is strong enough to do what we need to do at this stage and then be able to get the, the resources to get to the next stage. So it, it was a um, twice I was at the point where I'm like, I don't think this is going to happen. And I was struggling with what happens if I fail. And then first time it was serendipity. And the second time it was just grit that kind of got me through, through that. So it, it was a lot of a lot of learning and a lot of learning about things that I'm not particularly interested in <laughs> and that I need to know. And that is just an essential part of business. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> lots of little, um, lots of nuggets in there and lots of angles we could go down. Um, the, I think the, the, the role of the CEO in a startup, you, you kind of do have to get, get across everything, whether you like it, that stuff or not. And some of it yeah. you'll be good at, some of it you'll be less good at. Mm. Um, kudos to our respective teams who are, mm. are tuning in. And, you know, we can't do it without our teams and our teams grow and change mm -hmm. um, and evolve. Um, and and we, we kind of have to be good enough at everything and then replace ourselves with people who are better yeah. at that stuff, don't we, yeah. to, to, yeah. To, to take it on. Yeah. Um, and and learn along the way and i you know i've got i've got a lot of experience in business i have no experience in tech and i've lived experience yeah. of mental illness right so collide all of that um and i'm fortunate enough that i've got some wonderful people around me on the tech side with the jigsaw team um and and i'm building a wonderful team around me um on the operation side um I, th I think it's interesting about funding and growth, isn't it? Um, and I don't know about you, but obviously you're you're a mission-driven startup. But you mm -hmm. know, to to get funding from you know commercial funders, you've got to have mm -hmm. the, the 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 potential to create value and grow and VCs with mm -hmm. you know 10x return in a period mm -hmm. of time. How have you found balancing the the mission with the the you know the commercial and the need that investors have? Um, I like to um, kind of quote Pete Trainer in this aspect about compassionate capitalism. Yeah. That I, I think we found something that adds true human value, is something that is business worth building and can make a lot of money while being affordable for the consumer. Yep. And that to me is just a win win. Um, I haven't so far knock on wood come across a situation where it was asked of me to make a choice between ethics or functionality or something and money so far everything has kind of gone hand in hand um and i hope it will stay that way and if if for example for whatever reasons part of the product needs to be more expensive than an average person could easily fund then i will find a way to give them access anyway like yeah. you know so yeah i i, th I think we, we got we got a good product here that has multiple layers of good um that i'm, I'm quite pleased with 
Absolutely. Compassionate capitalism. Yeah. Um, I'm grabbing that one and um, stealing it from Pete via you. And, <laughs> and obviously Pete, Pete Trainer. shout out to Pete, introduced us. I remember mm-hmm. that show. You were super nervous. I think it was the first time you'd been on a, a reasonably yeah. big stage. Um, and I remember just trying to give you a few words of encouragement and you were brilliant um, <laughs> at, a, at a conference where uh, Pete had put a, a group together and um, yeah. it, was a, it was a pleasure to meet you then and it's a pleasure to know you. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's interesting, and I, I really like that point of make accessibility to all. Yeah, so we with Form School we've defined our social mission, and we're calling it Form for All, mm-hmm. which is around mm-hmm. trying to solve the problem that actually, if you look at a lot of well-being solutions out there, they're uptaken by white middle-class females, um, mm-hmm. and there's whole groups in our societies and workplaces that are left behind. Mm-hmm. And I think then look at how you try and commercialize a product to make it successful and to reward investors and, and mm-hmm. build the scale to make the impact. Mm-hmm. You've got to think who should pay for it, right? And I think mm-hmm. if we can get workplaces to pay, mm-hmm. if we can get you know, mm-hmm. you know people that are, have more disposable income to pay mm-hmm. and, and keep then something at the core that is accessible, free or low cost to mm-hmm. make it available to people in need, then that's the mm-hmm. utopia. Mm-hmm. But you, yes. can't ignore, you can't ignore the commercials, right? You've got to make the commercials yeah. work, otherwise you'll never yeah. grow something meaningful, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and I think that's not a bad thing. Like sometimes people... Um, we, at the very beginning, sometimes we got messages like, why isn't this free? It's, it's supposed to be good for you. You're like, if you're not expecting your GP to treat you for free, right? It's like, where does that come from? That mental health has to be free. Like I, I studied for nine years. <laughs> That's not normal, but you know, so it's, it's just like, there was, there was a lot of time, money and effort that went into my education that I am now, you know, offering. Yeah, and and I think there's another point, sorry I talked over you a bit there, but there's another point that people don't value stuff that's free. People think it's, you know, people think what's the catch here? It's not good enough. And and we, you know, our form score app is free and we're giving a big product for free um, out there. But I think, you know, we've we've also got to make sure people understand that there is a value in this. And I think where we've given workplace um, opportunities free of charge, often that is not valued and it's not from the executive and it's not... You know, so I think people should pay to recognize that value. Um, I want to talk about kind of founder well-being and CEO well-being and mm-hmm. combine this with the the immense amount of pressure and tasks that the, the CEO and founder are faced with, with the strong sense of purpose you get from wanting to create something that you're super passionate about, mm-hmm. which can lead one to push oneself pretty hard. How do you personally balance all of that with care for for your own well-being? Well, I think I kind of learned the hard way during the tech stars that I have to practice what I preach, right? Because I was just, uh, I was inching towards burnout and highly anxious and not sleeping well, not taking care of myself um, properly. And then I, I just was, had to pause and say, okay, if I continue this way, um, I'm not going to be able to give 100% and I'm not going to be able to enjoy it, <laughs> which would be terrible. And um, I'm just going to make myself sick. So I think the first thing that I did was put in boundaries. So like, because of my fatigue, I need more rest than maybe your average 25-year-old founder who you know doesn't have that issue. And I'm going to allow myself to go home at a certain time and not be upset that I might not be the last person staying um, and that there's still five emails I haven't answered. Um, I'm going to practice um, 
mindfulness meditation slash stopping rumination because you, you go home and you're like all buzz and then you thought this email and that investor and then this product part and have I done this and this and that stops you from actually being able to calm down and relax and get into a, a state of of mind and body where you can then actually sleep and so on and so forth. So I, I really practiced quieting my thoughts. I started exercising. So I started walking back and forth to the office. And um, then I, I actually, because of that, I wrote a, um, like a, a book, a handbook for dummies for CEO mental health for startups, because I just thought there's so much we don't know. And I could see all of us, we're a team of five, like just fizzling out, burn, 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 burn. <laughs> And I thought, you know, in startups, specifically in the phase that you are like pre-seed and seed, the main investment is in the founders and the team. And if they are unwell, your product is not going to go very far. So I don't understand how mental health and mental well-being is not the first thing that VCs and investors say, okay, what is your mental health program? Like, how can we make sure that you guys are taking care of yourself so that you can take care of our investment? Like, yeah. you know, mind blow. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, um, and it's good, good to hear that. I think those mindful moments that that quieten the mind. You've hit the nail on the head yeah. because the our minds are busy when we're looking to drive things yeah. forward, and there's a million things in my head most of the time. Mm. My, my 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 take on that is DJing. I love to spin a few tunes because oh, when, when I'm DJing. Uh, all I do is just listen to the music and think about yeah. the track and matching the beats and and, yeah. and, and generally messing yeah. around with it. Um, so that's, Are you going to uh, be teaching on on the um, event? One hundred percent, I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 there's a friend of mine, DJ Tim Cullen, who's like an ex-minister of sound DJ and, and oh, pro. He, okay. he he'll be the main DJ, but I will do okay. a cameo. Okay. I've got this idea that. And the AV guys tell me we shouldn't do this, but I've, I'm going to put my heels firmly in the sand and, and dig them in. Um, and um, is, is you know, you know, when you do the walk up to go and collect the awards, I'm yeah. going to have that as live DJ music from the stage with, with Tim oh. doing it. And so we'll get our, our MC, our host, Emma, to say, right, music maestro, and then it'll be a banging tune for the 30 seconds while they nice. come up. And we're going to make it live. There's going to do loads of stuff like that. Um, nice. So, yeah. So we'll talk about the awards in, in, a, in a quick sec. Yeah. Um, but um, we've got Pete Trainer on the chat, um, two of the most inspirational humans Pete. I know. Pete, you're too kind, man. You are the most inspirational person <laughs> we know, and we are grateful for your support, are we not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. He, he was one of the, the main leading forces in directing me in right directions in many, many things. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and such a generous, um, a generous human with his experience and his time, his guidance mm -hmm. and his counsel. Thank you, Pete. And um, a true ally. A true ally, for sure, for sure. Um, getting some love on the chat for the DJ thing, actually. Uh, Jason, um, get get make sure you get NG entering the awards. Uh, hurrah, mm -hmm. we'll put a link in the chat. Um, and, um, yeah, we're definitely going to have banging tunes as people walk up to uh, to celebrate their awards and a big party. And dancing, that's the USP of the Inside Out Awards. Yes, it is dancing. Yes. Nice. Um, um, Stephanie, great to see you over early doors in uh, Duke University in North Carolina. Um, Ooh, hi. I see that you're liking the uh, the DJing too, so good stuff. Um, so um, I, I agree with you on on the the kind of founder well being and, and creating that space. Interestingly, I think um, 
there's there's one project that I, I need to kick off, which is getting VCs to think about form score in the yes. context of form score of portfolio companies. Yes. To, yes. to say, you know, let's let's just track the collective score of our investments yes. and you know give yes. them some love. It's a big, it's a big one, right? It's yes, big... yes, absolutely. Oh, I mean, duh. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and I think the other one we're going to look to do is um, in accelerator schemes, you know, so yes. creating a group for the cohorts mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. able to track their, their form scores mm-hmm. to go through. Yeah. Let you ponder on that one. Yeah, I, I can I can connect you to Techstars. And yeah. if you want a, a foot in the door, just a conversation. Definitely. Yeah, they're, they're quite big on mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. So, um, what, what's your view on the kind of corporate well-being landscape? Um, you know, obviously you're you're um, selling your product, you're introducing your product to 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 workplaces. I saw you did a big uh, a big deal with Unilever that was uh, yeah. was out there. Congrats! Yeah, thank you. Um, what, what's your view on the corporate landscape? How, um, how how are you thinking about it right now? Um, I think there are two at the moment. There are kind of two approaches, and one of the approaches is. The, the people or the corporations that have understood that human capital is their largest capital, unless they're completely ro- roboticized. Um, and that if your people are doing well, they're going to enjoy working and they're going to be more productive and it's a win-win for everyone. So if they invest in that, it, it's a good thing, right? And I think Unilever is actually one of the leading companies in this space. Um, and uh, it's just part of their philosophy. It, it comes from a place of revenue, but it, it it's it's still they also care. So it's not just okay. Let's make sure we we got this checkbox because you know wellness equals money. It's like it, it's a mix of both, which I find healthy, and it kind of leads back to compassionate capitalism. Yeah. And then there is the other half or a much more bigger part where they haven't quite gotten there and a human has to perform. This is a job. You come in, you perform, you go home. It's not my responsibility. And um, if you're sick, we're going to replace you with someone else. And sometimes they use products to do checkboxes or to make their employees think that they are feeling about them. But it's, it's like a bit of a band-aid. So they don't make the changes that actually are important for the culture and the workplaces and everything like that. I think they're going to die out over time because they will just see that people don't want to work there and that the revenue is less um, and that they just have too many sick days. Um, but it's, it's, it's still out there. And I think with mental health tools and mental health, mental health programs and everything, you have to be careful not to say, okay, we have inhumane work um, uh, situations yep. and most of the people can't stand that. So let's make them a little bit more resilient so that we can keep that pressure on them, right? Yeah. That's not what I want. I don't want EQ to be given to people so that they can handle that pain a little bit more, right? 100%, 100%. I want to pick up on that point. So, um, Harar, if you kind of, I'm making, making you work today, but if you could kindly uh, post a link to the business in the community, good work, if work were good for you report. So this is something business and community have been 
um, championing Louise Aston has been championing what if work were good for you and mm -hmm. there is no point putting all of these well-being solutions and putting mm -hmm. form score in putting EQ in having mental health first aid having EAP mm -hmm. schemes if you are going to slave people to death with mm -hmm. inhumane working conditions mm -hmm. um, there is no point in doing that work yeah. can be a force for good as we know yes, absolutely. Um, and if we can educate our line managers to be empathetic but you know leaders with good empathy and understand how to talk to humans uh, about any struggles they might have we can create workplaces with positive work and sense of purpose and this is a um you know it's a it's 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 a big ambitious bold plan but there's mm. no point putting the sticking plaster on for to cover up for the mental ill health caused by work itself mm -hmm. you've got to address mm -hmm. good work uh, yeah. Haraz put that in the chat. Um, uh, Celia, Stephanie would uh, from Duke would like to hear about your work, um, uh, how that could help young adults, specifically within colleges and universities. So I'll connect, oh, you, yes. Yes. connect you to afterwards. Um, yes. Yes. So this is good. I'm enjoying this. This is good, good fun. So we need good work. Um, and mm -hmm. we, I agree, it's, it's moving from the awareness that's been created by the pandemic and by mm -hmm. things like World Mental Health Day, which is brilliant, mm -hmm. to the action of a committed leadership group to say mm -hmm. we care uh, about creating more human workplaces. So look, I've got a little tagline. I've got to get the right shoulder. So I've changed yeah. my tagline for score to be more human. Okay. Um, and um, because I, I think the mission for us <laughs> is to help inspire the creation of more human workplaces, of more human individuals that um, look out for each other, of more human societies where everyone feels equipped and empowered to prioritize well-being. Um, but I think in the workplace, it's that that creation of a more human workforce, isn't mm -hmm. it? A, a workplace where it's about um, being fulfilled, being nourished, being challenged, being mm -hmm. rewarded, being recognized, being heard mm -hmm. in, a, in a safe environment. And I think mm -hmm. that's definitely mm -hmm. what businesses like Unilever are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, comment from Pete it's taken dec decades for businesses to think of living wage and equal opportunities so it's mm -hmm. going to take a while for them to really address mm -hmm. the mental health well well yeah. gap the mental well gap sorry mm -hmm. um, the first Gen Z CEOs of major corporates changed this game 100% yeah. I, I agree with that but I think we're but, all in this for the long haul right yes but I also think that companies like Deloitte and um a couple of other ones that just don't come to mind are doing a lot of research and they're publishing reports that there is a return of investment and that is starting even turning to the you know it, it's coming to the cfos and they're like why aren't we doing this and and things like that so i think change is, is being um catapulted forward because of return of investment which i think is yeah for, for sure for those organizations that need to see the roi so hurrah my next challenge for you is to go and find the link to the refreshing the case <laughs> for investment report from deloitte uh, written by liz hampson who's a fantastic uh, researcher and professional in this space um, and um, yeah there's some good stuff in there so we've got a, a good uh, a good resource that we're putting together from this chat uh, Celia. so um re really 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 interesting um i think I'm keen to understand from you, uh, just as we kind of wrap up, really, what what would be your one well-being golden nugget, the one piece of wisdom that you'd be prepared to share on managing one's well-being. We're trying to curate a library of of, of, of single well-being nuggets. So, what would be yours? Well, I think the most powerful one that has the biggest impact instantaneously, if changed appropriately, is sleep hygiene. Right. 
So um, just making sure you get enough sleep um, and that you get enough good quality sleep because that has the biggest impact on mood, on um, the body, on well-being in general. But the, I, I have a bit of a mantra that comes actually from Buddhism, but it's kind of like also core of positive psychology. And it has a lot of parallels, you know, positive psychology, psychology and religion. And ha they have a lot of parallels. And my mantra is non-attachment, non-judgment and non-resistance. So if you can try to practice those three things or adhere to them as much as you can, you will find yourself a lot calmer a lot happier and a lot more able to discover and find joy in life. So that would be... Re re repeat that mantra for me, please. Non-attachment. And that doesn't mean we don't love, we don't give all. It just means that if it is taken from us, it is not taking our essential self with it. Then non-judgment, meaning that it is what it is. If I can't, if, if it is what it is, but in not in a like a giving up way, but seeing it as is a not attaching another layer of pain through evaluation, saying this is bad. You know what? Like if there's a bear chewing on your leg, you don't want to say, Oh, I'm so unlucky that this bear is chewing on my leg. Let's get away from the bear first. And the third one is non-resistant. So if you can't change that the bear is chewing on your leg, the more you resist it, the more pain you're causing yourself. So ask yourself, can I change it? If I can, let's do it. If I can't, then let's accept it. Let's stop resisting. Yeah, um, that is very, very cool. Um, I love it. I mean, for me, the biggest, the biggest tool that helps me when I'm really depressed is acceptance. It's yeah. accepting that this is feeling shit. It's accepting yes. that it's uncomfortable. Yes. It's accepting that I prefer not to be in that feeling right now, but yes. it's accepting that I can't change it immediately, or maybe yes. I can by some small steps. Yeah. That's accepting. For too many, too many years, I was this thinking, uh, why am I in this? I want to be out of it. I want to be back. I want to be doing this. I want to, want to, yeah. want to, want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas accepting is very, very helpful. The other bit, I, I, I think I, I might be misquoting here, but I think it was a post from the um, the coach of the Australian rugby team. I might be totally um, doing a disservice there, but it was around um, worry. and. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you think of something we're worried about, you know, two questions to ask. One, can can you fix it? Can you change it? If you can, there's no need to worry about it because you can mm -hmm. be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, um, if you can't, then um, there's also no need to worry about it because you can't control it. Can't change which, it. Exactly. Which resonated yeah. a little bit from what, yeah. what, what you were saying yeah. in a much more eloquent way. And um, it's a, a core exercise of cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, you ask yourself, can I change it? Can I not change it? And then what do I do with that? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So this, this sorry, is... Sorry, this, last but not least. Oh, go. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to hijack. Um, I, I think also as founder mental health, non-attachment is super important because if for whatever reason you are rejected from VCs, from clients, you, you fail to not be identified with your project and your product and your company, but not be too attached that says okay this is something I, I give it my all i can look at it and be proud and if it is taken from me from whatever reason um it will not ruin me yeah I, that that is super important isn't it because we are so invested in 
our babies, right? Um, our, yeah. our companies, our ideas. Yeah. And it's, you know, my, my idea came from a, a tool given to me by a therapist that helped yeah. me uh, for the last 12 years yeah. um, manage my mental well-being effectively. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a personal tool for me that I think mm-hmm. can make a positive difference out there in the world. And, and okay. I've put myself out there and my ideas out there to do it. Mm-hmm. But I recognize also it's not going to be for everyone. It's not going to be for every VC. It's not going to be for every client. Um, Maybe it's the greatest idea in the world and it's the wrong time for those people. And that's detachment from the, but yet still being completely invested in Mm -hmm. the belief of what we're doing. It's it's a dichotomy in a way, but it's an interesting Mm -hmm. one. Um, so um, just quietly I know that the whole of LinkedIn has access to this but this has probably been my favourite discussion on the floor guys Um, it it really has because I've laughed uh, a lot I've experienced joy my form score as you can see has gone up to a nine Um, yeah I did I did I did flip that um, um, halfway through Um, but we've also touched on you know if we look at the resources that Harar has kindly uh, dug out and Stephanie has added to We've really covered a lot of ground with some really interesting stuff um, that we can we can share when we do the show notes for this. So my gratitude to you, Sylvia, for all you do. Um, it's a it's a genuine. <laughs> sorry, I'll tell you why I'm laughing. Well, I'll finish that. It's a, it's a genuine uh, pleasure to um, to know you and, and be you know, a witness to your journey. Um, so thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to part of yours as well. Oh, mate, 100%. So the reason I'm laughing is um, a good contact of mine, Chris Armstrong, is tuned in and he's asked, are, are you going to sing, Rob? Because um, I, I've, I've sort of got into this uh, part of uh, what I do is when I'm trying to get hold of people is just mm-hmm. leave singing voice notes, voice memos for them. Um, and so Chris has been a uh, an injured party in receiving one or two voice notes that I've uh, involved my singing. So, okay. Um, I'm, okay I'm let's not, go. Should I give you a so, beat? Yeah. So I'll probably rap actually because I can <laughs> uh, I can get that out. So yeah, drop drop the beat. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Been a long time since I left you. Three seconds later, I got you shaking your head, dancing instead of sitting there. The rounds kick. The beat's hitting you just like a home run, slamming like a slam dunk. By the way, James Brown, J-Funk, it happened to James like it happened to me. How you think I feel? See a sucker MC get paid. Using rap style, and I'm playing the background. Meanwhile, I ain't with that. You can forget that. You took my style. I'm taking it back. Coming back. Like Return of the Jedi. Sucker MCs in the place who said I could only write rhymes, only write crowds, never write records. How you like me now? <laughs> so the journey of the journey of trying to influence positive mental health in the workplace takes us to rapping live on LinkedIn. There we go. That's a first for me. Chris, thank you for the prompt. Celia, yes, thank, you, thank you again. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Take care of yourself. Take care, everyone. Thank you so Bye. much.